0: We're beginning a series uh, of messages entitled Foundations. Um, I just I, Over the next couple of months, we're going to be going over just that foundational beliefs that we hold in Jesus Christ. Um, in the spring, I asked all of you for some topics and questions, and I got so many. The topics I received vary, but where do we get our Bible? I want to know about the Trinity. How do we share our faith? How do we pray? You know, prayer that moves mountains. Forgiveness, the role of suffering in our lives, overcoming sin. People are stuck in some things in their lives. Spiritual gifts, getting along with one another, you know, peacemaking, worship, and many more like that. There's just a lot of these different things. And I find they all kind of hover around the foundations uh, of of the faith. And so, um, like I said, I'm going to take the time needed to go over these topics in a series uh, entitled "Foundations." And this week it didn't have it on the front, but it's salvation and now, during these weeks and months, I'd ask you to really be just, just sensitive to the Holy Spirit's work in our lives and our hearts. Um, I would encourage you to put your faith into action. Just want to exhort you to really dig deep. And, and as the Lord starts speaking to you, not only just be a, a hearer, but a doer. Uh, and, and the reason being is I have experienced this in my own life where I get full of knowledge however uh, I don't even do anything about it. And when that happens, you become calloused in the spirit. You become calloused to the things of God. When God gives us something to do, he wants us to respond in worship. And as we respond in worship, his power fills our lives. We have this dynamic experience with him. He fills us with the joy and the love and the peace and the gentleness and the kindness and the self-control and all these types of things that uh, the, the fruit of the Spirit is evident in our lives. But when we fail to abide in Christ, when we fail to be obedient or to, to follow Him, if you love me, this is my own commandment, that you love one another, right? You love me? God's love language is what? Obedience. And we don't like to hear that. We don't like to hear it since we've been born. We'll talk about that a little bit today. But as we do respond, God begins to invigorate us, and we no longer have this religiosity about us. We're no longer doing things out of compulsion, and there's actually a joy in serving God and reading his word and loving one another and doing these other things, and there's just a, there's an empowering. But I tell you what, if, if, we, if, we, if we go ahead and we, we're listening all the time and we're, and we're getting all this knowledge or we're just going through the motions, we become dead inside. And it comes out in our actions and we become, uh, you know, critical of everybody else. And we become um, religious, Come like the Pharisees. Oh, my goodness. And you know, Jesus, he doesn't like those Pharisees too much. He loved them, but he, he let them know what for, right? And so we want to be a people who respond to the spirit. There's a perfect living illustration, the Dead Sea. You ever seen the Dead Sea? You know that water flows into it, but does water flow out of it? No, that's why it is dead. Just above it, there's the Sea of Galilee. Water flows in and out, and it is teeming with life. And so we want to be like the Sea of Galilee, not the Dead Sea. And in a a society such as ours, where information is king and knowledge just flows, we, we often have a lot of information coming into our lives, but we hardly have any wisdom, the actual practical application of it. And so I'd encourage you as we go forward to, to let's not be uh, caught up in that trap. Um, I wanted to start as soon as summer came around uh, to get into all these different things you had asked. But I felt like in, in the spirit that the Lord was just leading us towards uh, that book of Haggai, just to, to rebuild the temple. First things first, to refocus our hearts back on the king. And so that's where it all flows from. Uh, we can spend our days doing a bunch of stuff for God and forget that the temple is in ruins. And so I want to encourage you to go back and listen to those. Go back and, and read through that again and just and just let the Lord minister to your heart. It's my heart uh, in my life focused on the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Now are we going to live that perfectly out every day? Okay, just a couple. No, just me. All right, good. Right? No. But he is our aim, and he is our goal, and he is our joy, and so let's uh, let's keep that in mind. So th- today, as we begin our our series on foundations, I like I like to begin with the subject of salvation. So please turn to John chapter three with me, and follow along as I as I read. John chapter three. As you're turning there, I want you to know that I, I'm planning out. Other thing, uh, things other than Sunday that would benefit us. For example, uh, when we're going to talk about sharing our faith, I like to do some breakout sessions. In other words, meet throughout the week sometime and actually go into depth about how you do this. Not not that there's a formula, but sometimes a little bit of a, you know, what do I say? What are the basics that you always want to run back to? But to go more have more of a dialogue with you as opposed to me talking to you for a half hour. And then actually, oh, you know, share our faith. <laughs> I know no one will go to that, right? No, but seriously. So there'll be these opportunities that I'll go ahead and plan out to where we can meet, you know, off campus, who knows, coffee house, whatever it is, to where we can we can develop our faith a little bit further. Go a little bit deeper in the things that the Lord's speaking to your heart to respond. And hopefully I'll give you a little bit of of, of time ahead to where you can plan ahead and be there. And so I'm just looking forward to God really uh, working in my heart in all these areas uh, that that he would bring up. So um, I'll be doing some things like that sprinkled throughout the next couple of months. So John 3, verse 1 through 21, follow along as I read, please. Now there is a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who is a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him." And Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born again if they are old, Nicodemus asked. How can this be, asked Nicodemus. You're a teacher of Israel, said Jesus, and and you don't understand these things. Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify of what we have seen. But still, you people do not accept our testimony. I've spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, verse 15, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Jesus is speaking to a religious leader, Nicodemus, at night, and those of my generation call this passage Nick at night. Uh, here Jesus speaking is speaking about one of the most important subjects in all of history. It is recorded in Scripture the state of the human soul, because it only goes into one or two places. You, you're, you're the soul of a human being is in one or two places this instant. You're either saved or you are condemned. That's it. Jesus is speaking black and white. You are saved and you're condemned. John three seventeen. we just read it. It says, for God did not send his world into the, uh, son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. You're saved. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because they do not believe the name, uh, in the name of God's one and only Son. So Jesus divides all of humanity into two groups: the condemned and the saved, the non-believers and the believers. I used to think about this often when I was in San Diego. Just reminded me of it that I'd be I'd be in the parking lot we affectionately call uh, Interstate 15, and we would just be. St- Stuck for hours, you know, or, or actually probably an hour or so like that. Just, you know, eight lanes on either side of everybody going nowhere. And you just see thousands of people. You know, you'd see thousands of people on your commute. And just looking at them, and, I, and I'd often think, there's, they're either saved or they're gone. And the odds are actually against them if we look at the sower of the seeds. The parable of the sower of the seeds. that The, the seeds only found on fell on one out of four. And it, and it bared fruit, you know, and I'm not sure even if that's a salvation. That might be, even be the discipleship verse there. But if you look at it, I mean, all the people, I used to, you know, go and watch a Charger game. And, then, you know, this is what pastors think, by the way. You're up there and you're looking around and you're going, oh, yeah,
1: cool, great play, Man, look at all these people. Where are they going? You know, that's not a Matt thought. That's a God thought.
0: Men don't think like that. God puts that into our hearts, a concern for the lost, that they're either in one place or another. They're either condemned, which all of us are by default, by nature, or we are saved by the grace of God. It's a scary situation. There's no in-between. Like Jesus said to Nicodemus here, he says, yeah, you've almost got it
1: if you keep reading.
0: But you're not in. You know, close only happens in what horse and hand grenades and nuclear war or something like that. There's not you're either in or you're out. You're born again or you aren't born again. And Jesus speaks and he and he, he speaks to this, uh, and it's just it's shocking. And the world we're living in rejects such a you know such a a straight statement. They reject the black and white in or out. No, there has to be a bunch of nuances and variances and all these types of things. There has to be exceptions and clauses and, you know,
1: all these types of deals. And the fact is, there isn't. The one who formed the world was the one who said it. Question has to be asked at this point, uh,
0: you know. But why do we need to be saved? You're either saved or you're condemned. But why? Why are we condemned? Why is the world condemned? Why? You know, that's the big question. And the part that no one really, that our hearts are are prone to be um, deceived against, not even knowing that we need to be saved. You know, most of the problem you know, that I find in evangelism and sharing with people is that there's just no, there's no recollection, no no acknowledgement that they even need to be saved. And it's not something I can stir up in their hearts. It has to be a work of the Holy Spirit, a work of His Word. I can't manipulate someone into the kingdom. That has something to do with their free will and the King of kings and the Lord and Lord's meeting them. But there's a a deception upon mankind. There is a selfishness, there's a self-centeredness that is ingrained in every one of us that resists the fact that we need any help. We are fiercely independent people when it comes to... Um, our souls,
1: our beings, the core of who we are. We reject it. And so the question, you know, why do we need
0: to be saved? The answer is because we've sinned. And what a popular word. Thank you very much. Next. So tired of your Christianese words, you know. Sinned. It's an ancient, uh, you know, an old English. When they translate in the King James, they're trying to find out a word that best represented it. And so sinned is the word that came up with it. You sinned, it's an archery term. There's a target, you're looking at it, you let go and you miss the target. Any of you, uh, you even professional archers, they can spend their lives and not hit the bullseye 100% of the time for the rest of you know, for all their days. And God, the Bible says that we've all sinned. We've all missed the mark. We've all fallen short of the glory of God and the penalty for that sin
1: is death. Pretty steep, isn't it? Come on now. This is the condemnation that we
0: all, all of us are under. And again, this is a foundational thing that each of us have to know. And so that's why I'm starting with this. I'm starting with salvation. We all know it. But I feel like to go forward, we have to lay this down. We have to know what's going on here. But how do we know that we've sinned? How do we even know that we've missed the mark? And this is the thing. How do you show someone that they've missed what God requires? It's because God gives us a target. It's his law, the Ten Commandments, which are written on our hearts. A few examples. Do not steal. Do not lie. Do not commit adultery. And these are just dealing with your fellow man. We're not even talking about keeping the Sabbath and all these other types of things that the Lord talks about. I've traveled throughout the world, the different cultures and places. And let me tell you, it doesn't make a difference where you go. Everybody knows you don't steal. Everybody knows you don't murder. Everybody knows you don't commit adultery. Everybody knows these things. They're written upon our hearts. Humans, we all know them. Now, some people have been calloused to these things, but as societies in general, we understand these things. Indigenous or, you know, totally, you know, first world. This leaves us in a bit, a bit of a predicament that God's mark, his requirement, is absolute, 100%, sinless perfection. That's not good news, is it? I can't hit the mark all of the time. I don't even think I
1: keep count. I can't do it. Why don't we keep the God's law perfectly? Why can't we as human beings? Why can't we do it? Here's a little trick. The law wasn't meant for us to keep perfectly
0: foremost. as it, it, was, it was to show us that we can't keep God's standard of perfection. It shows us that we, that we fall short of the actual mark. It's a, it's a mark. It, we can't hit it. It's a target. It shows us that we fall short. And if we're real honest with ourselves, we see that we're not sinners because we've sinned. We've sinned because we're sinners. The reason why I don't hit the mark is because that's my nature. Because if my nature were like Christ, then I'd be hitting the mark. But it's not. We're falling. And the mark shows us that we don't hit the mark because by nature we're sinners. That's what we do. I don't lie because, you know, one lie, you know, I, you know, I always get dyslexic here, so i got to get myself correct. Um, you know, how many lies does it take to make you a liar? You know? Why do you lie? Because that's who you are. I'm sorry, you know, it's not very politically correct. But that's how broken we are as people. Why do we sin? Because that's what we do. The world does not want to hear that. We've all inherited this nature by Adam. It's in our blood, it's in our DNA, it's in our fiber, in our beings. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. By nature, we are children of wrath, Ephesians 2 says. We were all born sinners. The world does not like that. They say, no, your, your nature is basically good. And if you're going, getting ready to go into psychology and all these types of things, you're going to be introduced to all these thoughts that you're, are, you're basically a good person. And guess what? I want to believe it. Don't you? It sounds great. What do you think the world's advertising is all about? It's appealing to you. You are good enough. You're smart enough, and people like you. You know what I mean? That's what it's a.
1: That's what it's all built around. The world differs with God, but we're
0: all by nature children of wrath. We're all born sinners. We've all born with this nature. This is pretty interesting. It wasn't always so. The you know, as far as a society saying that, especially in America. The the Minnesota Crime Commission issued this report appointed by the governor back in 1926, and the findings might shock you. It states, every baby starts life as a little savage. He is completely selfish and self-centered. He wants what he wants when he wants it. His bottle, his mother's attention, his playmate's toys, his uncle's watch, or whatever. Deny him these things, and he sees with rage and aggression, which would be murderous were he not so helpless. He's dirty. He has no morals, no knowledge, no developed skills. This means that all children, not just certain children, but all children are born delinquent, if permitted to continue in their self-centered world of infancy, given free re-into their impulses, actions, and to satisfy each one, every child would grow up a criminal, a thief, a killer, and a rapist. That's that's government for you, right? (laughs) Imagine that government
1: report being printed today. But they kind of, they nailed it on the head. Isn't it the truth?
0: Self-control does not come naturally. We are, by nature, savages. And some people have lived their lives that way and are locked up over here. Some of us are free running
1: around in this room. Did you see? We've all fallen short. Why? Because we're
0: by nature. We're sinners. We're rebels from birth. And this is in direct opposition to God and his character. And our flesh, that's what this, the Bible talks about, is this nature. And it's ingrained in our physical being. It's who we are. It's, it's called the flesh. That's our sinful nature. And according to Scripture, it will not inherit the kingdom of God. See, sin is not
1: bad because it's forbidden. Sin is forbidden because it's bad. bad for you. It's not bad because it's forbidden. It's forbidden because it's bad. It kills you. It kills us. God is not
0: going to let us enter into eternity. Our selfishness, our rebellious, an eternally selfish state, an eternally rebellious state. That's why the angels were put in front of the Garden of Eden with the flaming sword, says you are not entering into here. You're not making it. You're not going to do it. I'm not letting the flesh inherit the kingdom of heaven. That sinful nation will not
1: enter my, my presence. And so God's plan for all of us is to kill us all. Through the cross. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but it's Christ who lives in me. Boy, we don't like to hear that, do we? I do not want to hear that in my, in my flesh.
0: And this is 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 50 says, I declare to you, brothers, that flesh and blood cannot enter the, inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. This is why we're either in one camp or the other. We're in the condemned, the dying, or we're in the saved, the living. Now, the only way we can be saved, so that's the situation we're in, but the only way we can be saved is by belief in the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross for our sins. Amen? John 3, 14-16, we read it. I read it again. Just as Moses was lifted up, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. Everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever, whoever believes upon him, believes in him, shall not perish. But you will have everlasting life, eternal life. Do you want to live forever? I want to live forever. Our flesh is not going to make it. Believe upon Jesus Christ's sacrifice for you upon the cross, and you will live forever. Do you want to no longer be counted among the condemned? Cry out to God to forgive you. Romans 8, 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. No more condemnation. Christ Jesus sets you free. Amen? That's what he does. That is the hope. That is the only hope. Romans 10.10 says, The word is near you. It's in your mouth. It's in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, it means he's master of your life. He's, He's your everything. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. You might. You will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess profess your faith and are saved. All scripture says anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. Belief in Jesus Christ. We're saved by believing upon Jesus Christ's sacrifice upon the cross. Now, really quickly, when it says to believe, it's not talking about believe that he exists. It says the demons believe that he is and shudder. They know that he exists. Belief should be better translated trust. You know, it's a life with all your eggs in one basket. I'm all in. Everything is put upon
1: that. It's, Jesus isn't a crutch. He's life support. He's everything. And the life we live now is evidence of a faith believed.
0: So we're saved by faith in Christ's sacrifice, burial, and resurrection. Because he lives, we live. And where he goes, I will one day be with him. Now, there's something else really quickly in closing that I want us to to point out. It's Ephesians 2, verse 1 through 9. And I'll just read it for you. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. You're condemned. That's how we all stand, condemned in which you used to live when you follow the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Do you realize that this world is ruled by Satan? And the sin nature and all these types of things and the things that are played upon, it's all part of his power and his dominion and his scheme. All of us also lived among them at one time because we were all born sinners, Right? gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following after its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy, that word mercy, I love it. It means not giving you what you deserve. Yeah, not giving Matt what he deserves. He, because of this God, of his great love of, for God, who is rich in mercy, he made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raises us up with Christ and seats us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expecting expecting expressed in his kindness to us in Jesus Christ. God wants to show you his grace and his love and his kindness throughout all eternity. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. So in this passage, Paul makes something very clear. You're saved by grace. You know, mercy is not getting what you deserve. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. Getting what you don't deserve. How many of you parents are gracious with your kids? You just love to lavish love upon them. Just love them. Little rascals, you know? God, by his nature, is not only holy and just, but he's also gracious. That's who he is. We're almost there, everybody. He longs to give us what we don't deserve, but he's
1: not going to give it to us against our will. He will not give you eternal life against your will.
0: You're saved by faith. Again, trusting in Jesus' finished work on the cross. And here's the point I want to get at, the other point I wanted to get at, an important one, what you are not saved by. Verse 8 and 9 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourself. It's the gift of God, not by works. Because if it were by works, what would I be doing? Look what I did to save myself. I prayed 15 times a day.
1: I did backflips in the church, and it was awesome. And I deserve a little bit of credit in this salvation process here. And for a short fee, you can buy my book. And I'm just kidding. <laughs> and just
0: come follow me because it, all you have to do is do these things. And uh, you no. Know. And this is where Christianity is divided from every other religion on the face of the earth. Man's way versus God's way. God reached down and gave us a gift that we do not deserve. Man tries to reach up and attain it. God says you can't do that. You can't be saved by your own works. You can only be saved by my grace,
1: and by my son. And really, I just want to go over this last part We're not saved by works.
0: The mindset of being saved by works was demonstrated in scripture by those who thought because they kept the law in a certain way that they were
1: saved. Nope. We're not saved by keeping the law. However, and I want to put this out,
0: once you've given your life to Jesus Christ and you begin to really know and experience
1: his grace, I'll tell you what, God begins to accomplish what I could not do in my flesh through the Spirit. Christ in me accomplishes by the Spirit. And keeping, it helps me
0: keep the law. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ in me. And so as I focus on Jesus, as I'm in love with Jesus, well, guess what? Well, that lying kind of gets shored up, doesn't it? Stealing gets shored up, adultery. Man, you're very aware of that. Wanting to have set aside time to be with Jesus Christ is a priority in your life. The things that make his heart beat make your heart beat. You see, we start focusing on it. And by the way, the reason why we come and we gather in this building is not out of compulsion. It should not be. It is because he has saved us. Because we long to gather with one another. And I tell you what, if we're struggling with these other areas, I would say the answer is go rebuild the temple. If we're struggling with with wanting to worship God, with wanting to give to Him, with wanting to be a part of His kingdom, with wanting to love one another, with wanting to do all these things, we go back to the source. We go back to our relationship with Jesus. And we go to Him and say, Lord, I've lost my first love. Heal me. And God's going to ask you to do something. And I tell you what, I want to encourage you, if you're
1: in a a rut in your relationship with God right now, what has He asked you to do that you've said no?
0: Go back to that. Take it before the Lord. If He's asked you to do something in a relationship, to give up something, to do something, to step out in faith, or to cut something off, and you just kind of cut it off, go back to that and say, Lord, all right, I'm sorry. And you're going to find that just like the floodgates get open as we respond in obedience. And then the relationship begins to flow. The power begins to come out again. The joy of gathering together, the joy of evangelism, the joy of prayer, or whatever it is that God is leading you in in your relationship with him, begins to do amazing things. You're not saved by works, but you are saved for good works. You're not saved by works, but you are saved for good works. You're saved to bring him glory. And really, this is the second part of being saved, salvation. The first part is you're being saved from something, but you're also being saved to something. And we'll spend the next 45 minutes talking about that. Ready? No, I'm just kidding. We're saved from our sin. But we are saved to God. Colossians 1 9. I'm ending with this short verse. Well, it's a couple of verses. Just focus, really re your minds right now and listen to this verse. Don't close your Bibles, just everybody listen up. Colossians 1 9 says, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. Not my glorious might, his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light you're part of the kingdom of light amen now this is the kicker verse 13 in first i'm sorry colossians 1:9 colossians 1 it says for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and has brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. He's conveyed us. That word brought is conveyed. He's, transla- he's translated us, transformed us out of darkness into light. And that's what, what salvation is, is bringing you out of this and into something, not just saving you and go, Whew, great. But now there's a whole world a universe, an eternity ahead of you. And God wants to empower you to live it out. And so we as a church, and we'll talk about the purpose of the church, the purposes of the church, we have to be a people of prayer. We have to be a people plugged into the vine. Otherwise we're gonna die. And that's not what he brought us to. He didn't bring us out of that to die. He brought us to go into the promised land, and take some stuff and kick some, you know what I mean? That's what he has for us. That's what
1: he has for you this week, today. Embrace it. Know it. God loves
0: you. Amen? He brought us from sin to God, from darkness to light, from death to life, from condemnation to salvation. Lord, thank you for saving us. And Lord, I've talked a lot, but just convey, Lord, the things that you want of your spirit into the hearts of your people. Lord, this isn't a message to hear, but it's a message to live and to to tell about. It's not my message, Lord, it's yours. That in order to enter the kingdom of heaven, we must be born
1: again. Father, your word says that the power is in the gospel.
0: Romans 1:17, Lord, says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of salvation. Lord, help us not to rely upon our strength, but upon your power. Lord, empower your church now to be a witness. In deeds and in word, empower us to live the life that you've called us to live. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for saving us from all that junk. And now, Lord, open up our eyes to the world you have for us to live in. I pray that you would bless those who are living this life out right now. I pray that you'd empower them and encourage them, Lord. For those who are stuck in sin in this room, Lord, or just caught up in an old lifestyle habits from the old world, Lord. I pray that you bring those things to light, God, not so that they could be condemned because they aren't condemned, they're forgiven, that they could have power to
1: live now. Help us all, Lord, we need you today. In the name of Jesus, amen.